And now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Reel Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Hey, thank you, Mark Larson, and welcome, everyone, to another Sunday edition of Rod Reel Radio. I am indeed your underfished host, Hop Along John Cassidy, and it is our pleasure to welcome you to tonight's show. Hey, we know there's a lot of other activities going on right now. Great freshwater fishing, fantastic saltwater fishing. They're still fishing in the eastern Sierras. And then there's a lot of other activities, football games, soccer games, you name it. It's all happening. So you people that come aboard and listen to us for the next couple hours, I think we're going to make it worth your while to listen in. Let me tell you what's in story, store for you tonight. First of all, we've got the Western Outdoor News. One bass director, Billy Egan, with us. He is just off the U.S. Open uh, tournament at Las Vegas a very successful event. We're going to recap that event with him, and they're going to, we're going to talk about a couple of the new opens or newer opens that One Bass has going in 2020. So you're going to want to hear all about that. And then later on the hour, Captain Greg from Cabo uh, Lands End Charters down in Cabo San Lucas is going to be with us. He's going to give us a fish report down there and tell us a little bit about Lands End Charters too. And in the second hour, Outdoor writer Gary Graham's going to be with us. He's going to talk a little bit about the Bisbee Tournament, the fishing down in Cabo San Lucas, and other things about the southern Baja Peninsula you should know about before you go down there. But before that all begins, let me introduce to you the co-hosts of Rod and Reel Radio. First of all, my one co-host, Wendy Toshihara, she is out on a hunt. And if you go to Wendy's Facebook page, she has a new profile picture with her latest kill. You may want to see that. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> but my other co-host is with me. He is a voice of 1-800-BASSBOAT and a pretty darn good fresh and saltwater angler in his own right, Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, how you doing tonight? Good evening, John. Good evening, everybody. Believe me, it's nobody you know that's on her, on her kill sheet there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, Wendy, uh, if you look at that picture, she's got one big grin on her face. She's been out there in the cold uh, having to, you know, scavenge around for groceries and stuff like that. But it looks like it. she very much made it worth her while when you look at that picture. There's a, a lot of joy and happiness in her face. Well, you, you know, uh, I, I've hunted Utah a bunch, and I think that's where she is. In fact, I know it is. Uh, we used to go every year with a group of us for years and years and years and years, and then the kind of the group fell apart and we kind of quit. But, you know, depending on where you go, uh, the hunts up there, I used to go bow hunting in one arena first and then come back and do rifle later on. But uh, it's a great 
arena, and it, there's tons and tons of area to hunt, which is really fun. And if you you go up ahead of time, you can do a little, you know, search and driving around and and uh, finding locations. If you got friends in the towns, there helps a bunch because they will they really know the area better. But we had a blast. So I got I can only imagine she and her husband are having a great time. I saw he he had a real nice buck also. So you know they're having a great time. Made it worth their while. Hey Stan, let's get to our first guest. This individual is the uh, the one bass director for the U.S. Open, which was, I think, by all accounts, one of the most epic tournaments that has been conducted here in the Southwest. Let's bring him aboard to recap this event and talk about some upcoming events. Mr. Billy Egan, Billy, welcome to Ron Real Radio. Hey John, hey Stan, how are you guys? Can you hear me good? Hey, we can hear you great, Billy. Uh, we got to congratulate you on an event well run and well attended. And I got to tell you, I don't remember having, um, a, you know, seen a fishing event that people afterwards on social media and word of mouth keep on posting more and more details about it. What a great time. What a great fishing event it was. Uh, you are, you and Western Outdoor News are to be congratulated. It, it looked like you hit one out of the park for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, pretty, yeah, it was pretty grooming, uh, as you can imagine with 254 boats and 508 guys. And you know, originally we had 256. So, you know, a couple more guys, what's, what's four more guys, you know, but, <laughs> um, Originally, you know, going up to it, being able to sell out uh, with the deposit uh, situation that we did early in season May, just before June, I think it was June 1st, we sold out with the 256 spots. Um, you know, I thought, we thought that it was going to be, okay, you can relax, prepare everything, which I was able to do, which helped to get all the, you know, uh, things in order in order to be able to handle this many anglers with the meetings, the pairings, you know, let alone tournament days and the weigh-ins and how it was processed. So it did give me a little bit of luxury to work with some people to uh, come up with some solutions to some problems that people I don't even think knew existed, really, because uh, I'm kind of a perfectionist that way. Um, I don't like people uh, waiting, and so I try to, you know, improve the process where I can to, you know, to speed it up or not only the anglers with the fish and the resource, but, you know, uh, the U.S. Open has been a prestigious event ever since, you know, the early 80s, mid-80s, and this was our 37th anniversary of it, my 10th year at the helm, uh, running, you know, the particulars at the events, obviously it takes a teamwork uh, to get what uh, we were able to accomplish done, not only at Western Outdoor News, the sales side, the sponsorship side, the editorial side, and photo side that, you know, the staff that I had uh, implemented at the Open in order to deal with this number of guys. Um, it was, you know, it's funny because the guys that fished my events, the California Open, which I've done now seven years of at Clear Lake, uh, and the guys that fished the Arizona Open this year for the first time, um, I've been fishing with me a long time. There's new guys, there's younger guys coming in. Um, but the guys from MLS, the guys from the elites, the guys from uh, Bassmaster, my friend, I've luckily 
become to be, you know, in the amount of time that I've known them now, I can call them my friends. So we get to chat and spend time together. It was nice for them to come out, but they all came up to me literally one by one on their own accord and said, whispered in my ear, dude, you're, you're going to be able to do this? 254 votes at this? And I'm like, don't worry, I got it. And uh, <laughs> those those exact guys at the end were the ones that said, we've been fishing tournaments for 30-some years, never seen an event run this smooth, let alone with 150 boats compared to 254 boats for three days, because all of our events go to a you know, cut. And finally, there's only 10, but I'm not tooting my horn. I'm not tooting Western Outdoor News' horn. It's just a process that I've invested in to in Juan Bass and Western Outdoor News is invested in for our anglers and our sponsors to make sure that the whole experience is one you'll never forget. One of the coolest things ever was being able to spend a little time with Harvey Naslund, and he taught me to make sure that they're entertained. Give them a show. Yep. And you know, that's I'll, choking I'll me up. Sorry for you, Billy. Um, because I've been doing this as long as anybody, you know, in the mid seventies, I started fishing tournaments way back when, when the earth was still cooling <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> and I watched it all, you know, where guys were talking about, you know, tough and, and, you know, fishing with this. And I go, God, you guys in the original old days, you know, it was flare starts and you, and nobody knew what the hell they were doing. And then, you know, you're fishing. If you want tough fish boater to boater, with the guys that are the toughest guys out there, you know, climbing the boat with Larry Hopper or, or you know, Folkstad or one of the guys that you got to fish against him in his own boat during the day and come out a winner. I go, that's tough. What they're doing today, you know, makes this easy and fun. But to have as many boats as you did and, uh, and you know, and weather always plays a different game with the, with the U.S. Open. Lake Mead's a wonderment for that because – one day it it's all these guys and even leading into the the tournament, all the guys are talking. You know, uh, I've got a little thing going here. I'm pretty happy, you know. And they caught some good fish here and good some good fish there. They had the wind the wind on Friday, and then uh, kind of calmed down for the tournament. Which when it went flat, <laughs> going, well, that's yeah. a game changer <laughs> right there. So yeah, and then I'm not allowed to talk about the weather. Is, I don't talk about the weather. She, 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 she plays with me enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it on is that what it lake, is. and you we know as well as I, on that lake, beautiful weather. You know, the wind blows one way and everybody's happy. The wind blows another way and everybody's unhappy. <laughs> it's just a, and it's if the, the wind turns works. off, they're all unhappy. <laughs> yeah, Billy, I, I think the thing that Stan's saying is that over the years, the U.S. Open has been an enduro both for the fishermen and also for the equipment from, uh, you know, when it used to be in July and then moved to August. And you came up uh, with the idea, you know, why beat ourselves, uh, our heads against the wall? Why don't we move this thing into a time where not only the weather's better, but we might be able to garner a lot more fishermen that aren't fishing some of these other events that they've been fishing all year to, to qualify for fish offs. You made that change. You made a change where maybe the weather's better, but it's still a test of, of, of fishermen and their equipment still is what this event is. 
Well, yeah, it's a, it, Lake Mead is a monster, and you, you can have it one day and lose it the next day. Uh, Nick Salvucci did an amazing job, as have all U.S. Open champions that have been able to put three days worth of perfect decisions together in order to come back with uh, the fish they need to to win it. I mean, for Nick to win it with four fish, that was pretty cool. You know, oh, that was. It was, it was tough across the board. Guys, and that's what he does to you, whether it's winning or not. And like you said about the equipment, you know, we had a lot of breakdowns. Um, and with a three-day tournament, I have to give a lot of kudos to those guys who went out not only in one day in the towing motor out in Colville, but two days on the call. Now, one of them without even a motor on his boat went out yeah. to get his co-angers out there. But we have per- perfect conditions like this. Guys put their equipment even further to the test because they're running full bore. Because they're not worried about any wind or current or waves or something around the corner except another boat. But um, you, you deal with different situations. You never know what you're going to wake up with at Lake Mead, and that that is kind of the greatness about it. And yes, you're right. We decided to move the U.S. Open to a time of year where it's not as rough on the people physically because the beauty of the U.S. Open is it's it can it's everyday Joe Pro's. Uh, chance to take the title, not alone the Triple A's. I mean, you don't have a gauge unless you've met these people who they are. And you know, sometimes you get a guy that this is his bucket list on and wants to do it, and maybe isn't the best shape of his life or shouldn't be out there in the first place. But you can't, you don't know that going into it. You can't ask these guys to take a physical test before they do it, and that's kind of the beauty of it, but kind of the scary part of it about it at the same time. You deal with the luck of a draw. You know, I I also have to congratulate you on the number of fishermen, not only from our local area, but from out of the area that came, and then fishermen that had been fishing, uh, uh, you know, with uh, uh, Major League Fishing, that had been fishing BASS, that had been fishing FLW. The, The dates that you ran the Open at now, it gives a lot of these anglers that are that are well known the opportunity to come back to Lake Mead and Lake Mead is actually a place where a lot of them really started. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of the guys that are fishing BASS, MLS and uh, bass that are from the West coast cut their teeth in long bass. Long bass has been around forever. And so the U.S. Open near and near their heart. And we've been getting national guys and international guys for ever since I've been doing it and before I've been doing it. But the big change is when we, reallocated the funds to the first place $100,000 check, which really set the U.S. Open, uh, well, it set itself apart from all major events because it's a standalone event. You don't have to qualify for it. You don't have to qualify to enter. You don't have to. You want to fish, you come, you know, and you have a chance to this year have a $100,000 payout at a sixty-four dollars to $67,000 Bass Cat Mercury boat. I mean, Nick Salvucci walked away with a ton. We paid out a ton. You know, people are wanting me to go to 300. They're, you know, saying, hey, you should do this, you should do that. And, you know, I'm kind of a mad scientist. I'm going to have a – it's going to be hard for, for me to say we didn't break the record again next year. But, you know, there's, there's things that we need to do in order to grow it. We prove that we can handle that many numbers and do it in a timely fashion. Um, we have an amazing – opportunity to have a points race next year for 2020 
all of these all the sponsors are coming back. Live Source Water, Jay Wright has offered or brought back what used to be the Daiwa Cup, the ten thousand dollar Daiwa Cup. And Jay's offering ten thousand dollars to next year's Angler of the Year if they fish all three events next year and accumulate points, which we'll be announcing the point system here soon. But uh, there's ten thousand dollars up for grabs. There's three entries for second and third place. There's sponsors that want to jump in on that left and right. Um, I've been having fun. <laughs> I don't know if you guys caught on it, but some of the hashtags I've been coming up with to promote the events. Uh, one of them is uh, the recent one is uh, hashtag one bath all three for me 2020. We've got a promotion going on uh, that if you sign up for that, because we're implementing mem- memberships again, uh, which includes the subscription of the paper and other you know great opportunities with with Western Outdoor News and One Bath. Um, but if you sign up for all three, you get that for free. A chance at some very stuff. A chance at some Lorant stuff. Um, and I thought I was <laughs> I thought I was going to have a little break after I got home, you guys. And when I got home, there was literally entries flying in every corner, you know, online, in the mail, over the phone. I haven't stopped. And we're already over 80 boats for all three events for next year, and we haven't got to November yet. Hey, Billy, can we take a break right now and ask you to stay just a little bit longer while we uh, do a little commercial break here? Sure, sure, no problem. All right. Hey, you're listening to One Bass Director Billy Egan recapping the 2019 U.S. Bass Open on Lake Mead and talking about some of the other open events coming on up. Stan and I, we're going to take a break right now. We'll be back after these commercial messages. I can't wait to spend some quality time with my son fishing this year, teaching him about casting, how to choose bait, set the hook, and how to be safe on the water by always wearing a life jacket. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hi, this is John, and I'd like to invite you to the new Angler's Arsenal location in Lakeside, California. We put together a staff of experts that will help you find the tackle and gear you need at a price you can afford. We carry all the major brands, and if you need custom work done, we can do that for you with both rods and reels. How about servicing your old equipment? No problem. We can do it quickly, easily, at a price you can afford. We also do custom hand-poured plastics through Western Plastics. Design the lure of your dreams and catch the fish that have been getting away. So come and visit us in Lakeside. We're at 12255 Woodside Avenue. Or you can visit us at anglersarsenal.com. If you need to call us, we're at 619-466-8355. Our hours are Monday through Saturday, 
9 a.m. to 7 p.m. See you there. Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters. The PTA design has the new PTXA frame. Lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag. Quantum Fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355. Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family, and friends? but are a little set back with what charter company to choose, we urge you to use American and family-owned Lands End Charters. Lands End Charters offers their passengers affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips. Fish with the latest of fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a long-time-owned family business. Go to LensEndCharters.com to see all of their vessels and amenities available. Call Cobble Greg or Jenny at 800-281-5778 when you're ready for an action-packed Cabo fishing experience. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. Hey, Stan and I, we want to welcome you all back to Rod and Reel Radio. Wendy is on a hunt in Utah, and I think she's going to be coming back next week with a few stories, so we look forward to doing that. In the meantime, we have the uh, Western Outdoor News One Bass Director for the U.S. Open, the Arizona Open, the California Open, Mr. Billy Egan. Billy, again, welcome back to Rod and Reel Radio. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate you all. It is great having you. You know, Billy. Uh, you know, this. A lot of people were expecting the the fishing would not maybe be as good as it had been in other opens because yes, the lake was up, but with the pressure of two hundred and fifty four teams fishing it, not only in the pre fish in the tournament, that lake sometimes <clears throat> fish is a little small. But you had some fishermen come up with some epic catches during this event. Yeah, we did. You know, you hear a lot of chatter, <laughs> and I don't know if how many people watch online uh, during our uh, live source water There's guys during pre-fish that were catching some decent fish, showing them off on social media, and Todd uh, Woods, long-time one bass guy, decided to come up with the Allen Iverson Award for the pre-fish uh, champion, which uh, Darius, Arbery, Darius Arbery won, you know. Talk about practice. <laughs> so it was a pretty cool thing. But uh, David Baca um, found two amazing fish. I mean, uh, almost four, uh, five pounders, two of them. Uh, $22,000 a piece, uh, plus two lose reels and striking lure packs and cigar packs. And um, a couple triple-A's found some good good fish. You know, there were some decent fish caught, but, not a lot of fish. The consistency was way off for the guys um, when the flat, no wind conditions came up. Uh, you know, a lot of guys struggled to find their fish. The lake became real small with 254 boats out there, uh, all vying for you know same quality water. Because you know, let's, let's face it, Lake Mead's huge, but there's not a whole lot of active water on on Lake Mead unless you're lucky to find it. And 
you know, Nick with his power fishing uh, was able to you know stand out above the rest. There's a lot of guys actually. I'll leave with asked me when we were uh, talking about some editorial stuff. How many of the guys actually power fishing? Uh, we went over some of the guys that did have, that have won it. It's surprising that a lot of the guys that have won it are power fishermen. Um, there are some, you know, finesse guys that have won it too, but, uh, he went out, targeted the right fish, found the right fish and got lugging. I mean, look at DJ Evans in second place. He stayed in the same code for three days. I've never heard that happen in my 10 years of running the U.S. Open. Not only that, he came in with a pretty good bag of fish on the third day. And, uh, uh, I don't know if he gave Nick a, a fright or not, because, uh, I think Nick had talked to some of the guys that were behind him, uh, uh, while he was uh, waiting his turn to get to the scales, and he'd find out that they hadn't done that well. But, yeah, uh, hats off on the third day to D.J. Evans for coming in with, was that the heaviest bag of the tournament on the third day? I'm your testament memory here. It was either the largest or second biggest um, yeah. because there was, I think, only two 12-pound bags brought in during the U.S. Open, which was the first day which was Justin Kerr, right? And then yeah. uh, I think DJ on the third day. But uh, and then I think second day, the biggest bag was 10-something, if I if I recall. But it was tough fishing. I mean, for guys not to get five fish, you know, I was saying one bass a lot. You know, I, I joke, and that was one, one of my jokes, because I love when FLW and other events always say, you know, and Justin Lucas with one bass. I'm like, saying her name. They're saying her name. <laughs> but, uh, a lot, of guys, I didn't, a lot of guys struggled. You know, I was watching the guys, you know, pre-fishing. I'd talk to a few of the boys. You know, they'd say, yeah, we're, we're on a pretty decent pattern. We just got to see, you know, if it'll hold, you know, and the weather holds and whatever else. And we knew we were going to get some wind. Uh, when the wind quit, though, because they had a little wind prior to it, and when it quit, it quit altogether, which really changes the face of Lake Mead. And, and But it, we used to have, you know, it was almost a saying, if you're fishing the open, Seven pounds a day will get you a check. Well, it in you know, five fish each day will get you a check. It it almost rolled back to that. Um, if the guys that catch that ten pound plus limit and you can continue to catch ten pounds a day, you're going to be in the hunt no matter what. But it's just fine in the areas. And we've had tournaments over the years where there was one cove that one or two guys. In fact, Greg Stump and uh, was one of the guys that stayed in the same cove. Uh, for for all the days of one tournament, um, but it's really really rare that that happens. But you know, good. It, it that's why this is so much fun to watch. One, watch the weigh in, and if you can keep track of the guys, you know, you can see who's doing. After the second day, you can see who's consistent, and then the third day is the uh, the one that really changes because all the easy fish have been caught. And with 250 guys boats out there, you know that's a 500 guys running around the pond there making a cast. You got to figure, man, that they've covered most of the water. And then what do you do? How to be consistent on that lake is really the key. And there was a lot of small fish this year we haven't seen for a while. Yeah, a lot of guys, even Aaron Martins and some of the other big guys, big names. You know, they were mentioning that same thing, and um, you know they are attributing some of that to the striper popping. Uh, population there at the lake. Um, you know, normally, last few years, smallmouth are about 50% of the catch. And I don't know if we caught 30% smallmouth this year. I wow. mean, we, 
Um, I can look back later on the records, but I didn't see as many smallmouth as we've had in years in the past, but that might be an October thing that's changed. You know, October's been the last, what, three or four years now, uh, and that may change because everybody was hoping that the fall bite would pick up um, instead of them you know, going on lockjaw. But a lot of guys are struggling to catch 13-inch uh, fish, and you know, I've heard from a lot of people, why do you go with 13 inches? Well, because California's 12 inches. You don't want guys taking a risk with that, you know, not only breaking our rule, but breaking the rule of the DFP at the same time and taking an infringement for, for that purposes. So we, we've always, and it was that way before I came in, 13 inches, one inch over the uh, yep. state law. Billy, to, just to show how difficult this event is, you posted a number of how many teams brought in uh, five fish limits each day. And that was actually a pretty small number when you compare it to uh, 254 teams. Yeah, exactly. Um, which fortunately <laughs> made the weigh-ins go a lot smoother when you're not weighing as many fish, but it made it tougher for the guys. You know, and they all adjusted. You know, seeing Aaron, Josh Bertrand, Jared Littner, Ish Monroe, <laughs> Dean Rojas. I could be on the line with all the guys, Mike McClellan, that showed up, all the Bridgeford guys that show up, Lawson, you know, I heard them talking. They were up, you know, I spent some time with Aaron while he was uh, preparing stuff for the second day. They were up on the deck chatting and um, learning stuff from these guys. It was, it was a tough bite. They, uh, to find fish over 13 inches, guys were, you know, it wasn't that they were blanking, not at all. These guys were catching fish. They couldn't catch them over 13 inches. That was the problem. Right, yeah. and, and Stan, one of the things that you said, hey, well, you know, the first thing you want to do is you want to catch five fish uh, every day. And, Billy, I think the number that you posted was only like 31 teams uh, brought in 15 fish to the scales. But of those 31 teams, not everyone cashed a check. So that shows that, hey, yeah, you've got to go out and you've got to find some big fish. And even the winner, Nick. Uh, Salvucci, he didn't even bring 15 fish into the scale. So, uh, you know, it really, it really does pay to try and get those fish that have some shoulders on them. A lot of the guys that go out after the first day, they're really fishing for big fish day two. You know what I mean? Depending on how their day one went. So day two is a big fish day. Day three is a big fish day for those guys that struggled really hard on day one because it's hard to make up eight pounds, let alone a couple pounds at Lake Mead. So with the added uh, you know, incentives of the big fish money and the big stringer money, it, it keeps guys in the game, keeps them happy, keeps them out there fishing, having a good time. And, you know, the relationships sort of built from the U.S. Open experience, you know, I've seen over the past 10 years, you know, I say it over and over again. Guys that, hey, I've never fished the U.S. Open before. I go, well, when you do, you'll never miss another one because the experience. Well, it's just pure fun if you're a fisherman, you know, and, you, and you're a – I've really been, I've been telling the young guys. We had a, a few guys that were young guys that just wanted to go and be, uh, you know, amateurs on the thing. I go, the best thing you can do is go – and and just have the experience. The U.S. Open is a blast. And you don't have to qualify. You know, pay your dough and see how you how you fare at the end. If you can catch five fish a day, you got a really good chance. If you don't win, you're going to have a, a a check normally. 
<laughs> right. When you get the, the size fish that showed up, you know, where all of a sudden you were catching good ones and now everybody's catching small ones, you know, well, still put five fish in the boat. At the end of the tournament, find out where you're going to land. Right. But the the whole experience, you get to go and play with the big boys, across the nation big boys. And, you know, that... That right there, you should want to go just for that reason to go play with the big dogs because nobody gets a chance to do that unless you go to the U.S. Open. Billy, just a couple quick right. questions before you let you go. You, you mentioned that there are there are people going, Billy, why don't you make this a 300-team event? The, I guess the question is, are you really even considering doing that? Yes and no, but mostly no. Uh, it doesn't bode Hello. well for the point system that we're doing next year. We need to keep the U.S. Open as, as what it is, same format, same structure, because it's part of a points race. If we can come up with a fourth event that stands alone with the other two events somewhere uh, where the points race can be of those three and that the U.S. Open becomes you know, its own event by itself, again, not part of being the points race, there could be some changes for the U.S. Open, but that's that's a couple of years down the line. Um, the U.S. Open is doing great; guys love it. We had four Korean guys come out, four Japanese anglers, five uh, Australians come out. It's it's amazing. And if you want to get involved with the shared weight, the only shared weight pro amp circuit out there, check us out on Facebook. One bass. We also have a. One Bass Tournament Anglers Group that you can send a uh, request in. We'll approve that. That way you're tuned in with everything going on. We've also got the website, Western Anglers News. You can find me, call me anytime. I'm always accessible. We've got three great events next year. We're going to do the best events possible, as we always do with the best sponsors. I don't know if you guys heard, but we signed another two-year deal with Bass Cat Boats, so we're good Good deal. 2020 and 2021 and i've already put out dates for the next three years so can't say you didn't know when we were going you know we'll be at lake havasu february 5th 6th and 7th for the first event of the year that starts points race we're only going to have 150 boats at that event and the california open event i think at this point we've only got maybe less than 70 pro spots left for both the events just now having time to accumulate the California Open entries uh, and the U.S. Open entries. We're not advertising U.S. Open entries because everybody that fished it last year is having a chance to get their deposit in first since they had they were an opportunity, you know, their they're first right to enter before I open it up to the general public. And we could be sold out with all three events by the end of uh, December if it's going the same way it's going, which never heard of. Well, Billy, I hope uh, that uh, you'll allow us the opportunity to catch up with you again, especially with the Arizona Open uh, event coming on uh, February 5th and 7th to see how that's going. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate you taking some time away from your family to be with us tonight to recap the 2019 One Bass U.S. Open on Lake Mead. Thanks a lot, my friend. You got it. I'll say it like I did on live broadcast. Wow! It was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> you did a great job, Billy. You did an absolutely great job, bud. 
I think you'd Thank serve you. some time off for sure, Billy. Uh, get you out of that straight jacket that you've been in. Hey. Well, I, I get to leave Friday for Cabo for the Cabo Tuna jackpot. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, there you All go. Right. I'll be down there on uh, – t- no, I'll be getting on a boat next Tuesday and headed that direction. So if you find out <laughs> where the tuna are – before, <laughs> let me know if they're over on the Jaime or what on the on the uh, Pacific side. All right, I'll, I'll shoot you a message whether you get it or not. Who knows? But have a great time, and I'll. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I appreciate all of our sponsors that support okay. Juan Bass and the Anglers. Uh, have a great Sunday night, and I'm going to go eat some dinner. All right, thank you, Billy, and uh, one bass director. Uh, Hey, and Stan was asking about, hey, what are the tuna biting on, where they are? Well, our uh, next guest after this commercial break, Cabo Gray Carpezi from uh, Lands and Charters will be with us to maybe answer that question. So stay tuned. There's still a lot more Ron Real Radio to come. There's nothing more peaceful than fishing. Just me, my pole, and some bait. Oh, and my life jacket, of course. I like fish, but I don't want to end up at the bottom of the water with them. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their product. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. We want to tell our listeners a little about Bajo La Luna Restaurant, located within a lush hidden garden in the heart of Cabo San Lucas. This family-run restaurant offers patrons a selection of unbelievable tapas, the most delicious Mexican entrees, an outstanding selection of wines, and crafted cocktails, and the most amazing desserts, all served in an upscale, casual, outdoors atmosphere at prices you'll find very affordable. When you visit Bajo La Luna, mention Rod and Real Radio, and there might just be a complimentary beverage served with your dining experience. Bajo La Luna is located right across the street from Cabo Wabo and offers free or valet parking. Get all the information you'll need to visit Bajo La Luna Restaurant on Facebook. Just click their direct link icon found on RodandReelRadio.com. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth, moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the fishing boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart. Did you know that when you donate blood, you're not only helping others, you're also helping yourself? Donating blood lowers the risk of heart attacks in men by more than 70%, lowers the risk of developing cancer, and helps you maintain a healthy liver. So donate blood to help someone else and to help yourself. If you can't donate, 
you can still make a difference with the financial gift. It's the best way to give back. Hook, line, and sinker. And for more information and to make a financial donation or an appointment, visit sandiegobloodbank.org. That's the sandiegobloodbank.org. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor. Hey, Stan Vandenberg and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. You know, just before we went on the break, Stan asked the question, you know, I might need to know what that tuna bite is down in Cabo San Lucas. Well, we've got a guy on here that I think can give us a good idea on what's happening down there. He's owner-operator of Land's End Charter. It's Cabo Greg Arisby. And Cabo Greg, welcome to Rod and Reel Radio. Hey guys, happy to be with you. How you doing? Oh, we are doing Good. great. You know, uh, hey Stan. You know, and Stan, you had uh, maybe a question you want to uh, ask Cabo Greg. Well, you know, I was just down there and uh, yep. for two weeks and playing around. We had a little rain. Some trucks washed down the street. It, you know, it was kind of normal <laughs> stuff. <laughs> right, right. It happens. But in, any any time you get that much. Rain coming in, it, it changes the water, changes the conditions. The Dorado kind of every it dirties things up, and then you got to wait for it. It only takes about a you know a couple three days, and it changes right. again. Uh, we had Dorado that had moved around on the Pacific side. The Wahoo started to show up, and I was wondering if that bigger tuna has showed up off some of those other banks like the Jaime and you know he- heading up toward the Finger. Some of the guys with the tuna challenge coming up, I know they're fishing that, and I. The, with the cooler water, I'm figuring that that's got to come into play about now. Yeah, it it, it does. Um, and, uh, you know, what's funny is I just got a video about 10 seconds ago that I was looking at before I got on this call. And uh, massive bait ball on the Pacific near San Jaime. And they've been hooked up for a couple of hours. I got a big one on. I don't know how big it's going to be, but it's big. Um, but we've been seeing water temps start to kind of moderate. And we've seen some good action out San Jaime. We had a nice bite at the 11.50 bank in the Sea of Cortez. And I expect, you know, we have the uh, Pelagic uh, Tuna Jackpot second year tuna tournament uh, this year coming up this week. And I expect to see some nice fish. And they're probably fishing out in the east, you know, the Gordo and, and out that way. Um, but the Pacific side really, over the last couple of years, has produced some really nice fish near San Jaime and out towards the Finger. Um, and that's that whole bank along there. Um, and I expect that to be the same this year. We're, we're, we're gearing up and... This video, I'll, I'll shoot you guys a picture when it lands, but it looks like a big one. So, wow. probably over three hundred. Yeah, they've been fighting it for like three really? and a half hours. Well, there's been there's been some. I know that the guys they've been keeping it quiet, and I get it. You know, the tuna challenge <laughs> is coming up. They're not saying you know much. how it is, right? Oh yeah, but I had my spies on the beach there, and there was a two thirty and a two fifty yep. uh, caught uh, around the corner on the Pacific side. The the yep. uh, you know, when you get over there, the Gordo has always traditionally had big fish on it. I mean, that's just a, a spot you can go to. And if you got the right bait, you have Chewillies out there. I think that's their yep. favorite thing to eat. And and the guys will usually catch them there, too. So, But having right. the, the situation come into play where you've got, uh, you know, that fish moved over to the Pacific side here and the guys have been catching them, I think that'll come into play for that tournament for sure. It's going to be really interesting because, you know, every year during this tuna jackpot tournament, during this time of year in, in general, you know, you have 40 boats, you know, lined up along that Gordo Bank and the, and the inner bank 
all the way out to the Imam Bank. I mean, it's hard to get a spot. And this yep. year you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to go west? Are you going to go east? And uh, so I think it'll be fun. Um, I think it's going to you know make things a little bit more wide open because you're not as concentrated. And, you know, these faster boats typically have a big advantage because they can get out there really quick and get their spot and, and get their line. Um, and this year I think there's going to be a bit more open. If the San Jaime Bank goes off the way I think it will be, um, I think it's going to be a little bit, uh, a little bit better for everybody because you know, 140 boats, a lot of boats. So, you know, uh, you need spaces to fish. <laughs> yeah, you need a place to, you need a place to either, you know, if you can drop anchor, drop anchor and bait your fish or whatever you're going to do. Right. But there's right. got to be fish around, and you have enough, you have to have enough bait, you know, to keep the chum going, to keep that fish going in the area. So, you know, That's and actually more boats is better right? out there. The, so, the, can, you can, know, the chumming. With the calamari, it's always a challenge every year. Is trying, you know, we've been stocking up our freezers with calamari for the last couple of months just in preparation because it gets impossible, and uh, and you need to have it. You're right. You need to create a nice slick and and be ready for when that fish comes. And and uh, so yeah, getting a spot and having the right bait is huge for this tournament for especially for catching tuna. Yeah, that was that was my question, Cabo Greg. You take a lot of individuals that are coming down there. They're like me. I've fished down there a few times, but I haven't fished down there as many times as you have or Stan has. And I've mm-hmm. done some chunk fishing for tuna and done all right and done some trolling. But what what kind of uh, what what kind of fishing should I be expecting to do? Am I going to be doing live bait? I'm going to be doing chunking. Uh, we're going to be doing trolling or all the above. So it's a little bit of all of the above. You know, over the last couple of years, something that's gotten really popular here is kiting. You know, using the kite with the with the flyer on the back and and uh, and getting that up in the air. Um, if you have the right kite, because helium is impossible. And anybody's thinking of coming down and fishing this tournament, if you don't have it, you aren't going to find it in Cabo. You aren't going to find it in La Paz. So be ready. Um, so yeah. kite fishing has been huge, and that's produced some big fish. Um, and uh, we fly kites on most of our rigs, um, and so. You know, it's a little bit of everything. It really just depends on, as always with fishing, conditions, you know, what the water's like and, and what the currents are like and where you're fishing, um, what you're going to use. But all those methods, trolling, chunking, and uh, and the kites have been producing the fish. And we, I, that's probably what we're going to do and what we typically do on a normal charter. Right. How many boats do you have chartered for the event, Greg? So we have eight boats chartered for the event and we have two personal boats tournament boats that are going to be out there so we we got a chance this year (laughs) and i'll tell you a couple years ago we had a a wahoo that was like 54 pounds or excuse me 34 pounds something like that we got beat by six ounces for a daily jackpot so we have a couple boats that are going to be looking for that dorado looking for that wahoo um, and not going after the tuna just to see if we can hit one of those dailies because they're they're big. I mean, those dailies get pretty big. I, I expect it to be a hundred grand this year for a nice wahoo, nice nice dorado. Well, you know the wahoo. I was watching the wahoo after that because the dorado were kind of non-existent, and all of a sudden they kind of showed up and they moved around yeah. toward the lighthouse, you know, and that and that area from you know just past the lighthouse. Uh, for for a, about a week, it was lit up. Lots of Dorado yep. coming in, and and then you started seeing some of the Wahoo flags flying, and a lot of people complaining about being clipped off. So <laughs> I know that the it arena happened. was there, the that that fish is there. So that'll be a pretty competitive little piece right there. It will be, and I expect more and more boats to to. Uh, you know, realize that with these tuna with so many boats, you got to have, if you, if you want to make money, you know, if you're out to have fun and catch a big tuna, that's great. But, you know, if you're trying to make some money 
those dailies are, are big. And, uh, you know, if you have the right setup for a nice Wahoo or a nice Dorado, it can pay off. And, and uh, so that'll be a strategy on a couple of our boats this year to see if we can, you know, we got a couple of nice new Rapalas that we're going to put in action and see if those work. And, you know, we'll throw everything we have at it. But, uh, yeah, it's always exciting. It's always fun. And I can't wait uh, for that tournament to show up here. Well, well you know, I think that that's uh, the guy. I know two boats that that's all they were going to do is just go for the Dorado and Wahoo daily boat. You know, that's, yeah, that think, was their thing. You know, we're not going to play with the tuna. We're just going to go out and play. We're going to be in the right. tournament, but we're going <laughs> to fish for those daily opens. <laughs> yeah, well, Cabo Cabo Craig, travel, for you know, uh, individuals that might be finally. listening to us that want to go down to Cabo San Lucas, they want to get together with someone that they feel comfortable with. This this may not be uh, next next weekend or two, may not necessarily be the best time to give you a call, but on most of the times, people that want to come on down to Cabo and and rent out a, a good with a good charter organization. Tell us a little bit about Lands End and the vessels that you have available for you know different needs. Sure. So you know um, we have a, a large fleet. So we have boats from twenty two to ninety feet. Everything from super ponga center consoles, small sport fishers, your traditional twenty eight thirty footers. And then we have some big lo- larger luxury boats and some fast boats. We got everything. Um, I think someone's gonna gonna want whether it's small or big or fast or wide. We have it, and uh, our, our big our big thing here, as uh, Stan knows, uh, is we're we're a fishing company. We're not just a boat operator. We go out, and we fish, we fish hard. We got the equipment, we got the gear. Our our, our captain's average twenty five years experience here, and as a family business, we take a lot of pride in making sure people have a good time and and uh, don't stress about uh, coming down and and uh, and putting a charter together. It's really easy on our website landsandcharters.com will give you a bunch of info and uh and uh information on the boats and the captains on the gear everything's on there and so we make it easy and uh and uh it's always fun and fishing well, is good. Know, whether like, it's now yeah, or through the end of the year just like southern california i think it's gonna be really good this year you know we, we had people that i met down there and they go stan you know everybody down here what do i do if i just want to take my family out i want to take maybe six people or eight people and we we don't need to go fishing but we'd like to go out on a nice like a yacht and then take yep. a you know a, a little run for you know half a day or whatever it is and i i told them get a hold of you guys because you've got every everything that you need and uh, <laughs> and there's options for size you know and the time you get out there you kind of pick what you want to spend and uh, but you can all go which worked out well by the way great awesome yeah you, you know, if someone has a, a budget uh, that's small or big, we have everything, and uh, and we do a lot of mixed charters with families. So, you know, a little time snorkeling, a little time fishing, we can do all that and put that all together, and so everyone has a good time, and that's always fun. And when I have a, put a video on our Instagram page of a little kid who caught a nice rooster fish the other day. That's really the fun part, seeing these little kids, seeing these families enjoy their day and their time in Cabo. It's always a blast, and, and uh, we enjoy it a lot. Cabo Greg, how about, uh, again, individuals like me, I'm used to going down to the East Cape, uh, you know, I've mm-hmm. gone down there for many, many years, know all, you know, all the hotels, the proprietors and everything like that. Not as familiar with Cabo San Lucas. When I give you a call and find out your availability, can you also give me uh, uh, suggestions on places to stay that you might have a relationship? So I have no problem, let's say, if I'm coming fishing with you for one or two yep. days, no problem uh, getting picked yep. up and uh, uh, getting back and forth from your location to the hotel? Absolutely. So Jenny, um, if you call us, you'll talk to Jenny uh, most of the time who puts all that together. And she's excellent. We, ha- we have partners here 
that do transportation, have suburbans to move you around, even from the airport to your hotel. Um, and uh, and uh, Jenny's really good at putting that together. And if you need a place to stay, we have buddies who have places that are close to the marina that are cheap, you know, 60, 70 bucks a night. If you're just coming down to fish, they're really popular with our clients. And, you know, we have, of course, uh, folks at the big resorts that, uh, that have deals for our clients. So, yeah, absolutely. Almost anything we can do. There isn't somebody here or business here who isn't a friend of ours or a family member. We've been here for so long. So, yeah, if you need something, just let us know. We're happy to help with all that stuff, any kind of details. All right. We do Tom, Greg, what's the best way to get a hold of you and find out uh, the selection of vessels that are available so we can do a little homework before we give you a call? Absolutely. So the best way is our website, landsandcharters.com, landsandcharters.com. On there, we have something that's really cool that uh, people love, which is our live chat. You can chat with us live. It's on almost all the time, and uh, we'll answer any questions you have. We search the website if you have any questions, and that's the best way. We also have a toll-free number, 800-281-5778, that people can call us on from anywhere in the U.S. toll-free, and uh, happy to help. And uh, mention Rod and Real Radio, and we'll take good care of you. Well, thanks a lot. And, and Stan, you brought up a, a good point that you had people asking you, hey, we, we just want to take the family out for a little sightseeing cruise and, you know, and, and see the point and go up and down the coast, see how beautiful it is. And, and Cabo Greg, that's something that you're more than happy to do, too, is it not? Absolutely. So we have a whole fleet of, of yacht charters from about 30 feet up to 100 feet, 130 feet. We have one coming live, it'll be 130 feet. But we have uh, everything that you're going to need, whether on the water. So if it's a yacht that you want to just uh, charter for a day or a few hours or um, a little pontoon, we have a little 28-foot pontoon that does little tours of Land's End and the Sea Lion Colony and Lover's Beach and all that good stuff, we have that. Anything boat-related, we can take care of you. And if you look on the website, there's a whole page on our yacht charters and different boats that we can offer. So absolutely, anything water-related, we got you covered for sure. Greg, right. we were talking last year about about the opportunity possibly coming up of one of the bigger boats that that you know eighty or to hundred foot boat that would go out and actually go to the Rovirajeros, you know, to Clariano yeah. Socorro or whatever yep. those other islands that weren't available. That you you can still go with a yacht, but you can't go with the sport boat. Well, you know, the thing is, it's range, right? So there, there aren't any fuel refueling spots between here and, say, Mag Bay or Socorro Island. So you've got to have a big, big vessel that be able to, to move people around. But, um, and, uh, and we do have those, and uh, we're still putting together a trip probably later next year, 2020, probably November, um, later November, a trip out to Socorro, a trip out to Mag Bay, um, some of the some more difficult spots. And I'll, I, and I'll be putting that together on the website so people have a chance to to jump on that, it'll be a you know like a six pack type of a situation for folks sure. that want a big adventure um, to go out far and look for these big fish. And there's some spots that are incredible that you know, Sam, that uh, that not many boats can get to. And uh, so it'll be fun to put that trip together. And I'll be uh, I'll be a mate, <laughs> I'll be a mate or a or a, a waiter or something. But I'm gonna be on that boat for sure. <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll keep an eye out for that. And I, I hope maybe we can be aboard on that type of a ship. That sounds great, Cabo Greg. Hey, listen, Absolutely. we got to get along right now. But uh, can I invite you back maybe in a couple of weeks uh, after uh, some of these tournaments that have come off, and you can give us uh, an idea of what people actually did, what the bite is, and then what well, we can look forward to finding uh, conditions when it. Uh, comes to uh you know late november and december in uh, Capa san lucas 
Yep, absolutely. Anytime. Happy to come on and uh, looking forward to this tournament. And, uh, we'll give you the update in a couple weeks and see how things go, but uh, expect some big fish. Expect some All big right. fish is what I'm going to say. <laughs> Record hey. time, I think, this year. Cabo Greg from Land's End Tuna. Thanks a lot for being with us, Cabo Greg. Hey, we got to take a break right now. Uh, Stan and I will be back, but we'll be going, coming on back with uh, the Baja guy himself. Outdoor writer Gary Graham's going to be with us, so stay tuned. A lot more Rod Real Radio to come. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hi, this is John, and I'd like to invite you to the new Angler's Arsenal location in Lakeside, California. We put together a staff of experts that will help you find the tackle and gear you need at a price you can afford. We carry all the major brands, and if you need custom work done, we can do that for you with both rods and reels. How about servicing your old equipment? No problem. We can do it quickly, easily, at a price you can afford. We also do custom hand-poured plastics through Western Plastics. Design the lure of your dreams and catch the fish that have been getting away. So come and visit us in Lakeside. We're at 12255 Woodside Avenue. Or you can visit us at anglersarsenal.com. If you need to call us, we're at 619-466-8355. Our hours are Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. See you there. Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has the new PTXA frame. Lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag. Quantum Fishing, we are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619 466 8355. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. The warm weather is here and our lakes and rivers are brimming. Just remember, if you love California and you love to boat, please wear your life jacket. And make sure everyone with you puts one on too. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hey, Stan Vandenberg and I, we want to welcome you back to the second hour of Rod Real Radio. Well, man, it's really a pleasure to have my next guest on. He is an award-winning outdoor writer. He is the owner and partner of uh, GCG Communications, 
we kind of know him as a Baja guy. Stan and I have known him probably long enough from his days with Baja on the fly. Hey, let's welcome to Ron Real Radio, Mr. Gary Graham. Gary, welcome to Ron Real Radio. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad you got that that Baja guy in there, but um, <laughs> I just actually almost walked in the door getting back from uh, Cabo. I flew up on Calafia, used CBX, and everything went fine except for the flat tire on my El Camino, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> well Gary, you know, I... Uh, you know, I tell you that Stan and I have known you since Baja on the fly, and and I don't know how far back that goes. I know it's got to be at least uh, 25 years or so, probably even longer than that. Yeah, it goes back to, uh, we started that in 91. So, yes, to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, uh, Gary, tell me, uh, you know, you're an award-winning outdoor writer for uh, many articles that you've written on uh, Baja, California. But tell us a little bit about how your interest started in in Baja. And do you specialize in the entire peninsula? Do you like the more Baja Sur? Uh, and do you talk about the mainland at all? Uh, you know, give us a little capsule of, of what you do there. Well, I uh, let's see. I, I first trip to Baja was in 1969. Uh, I flew down to Flying Sportsman's Lodge. Supposed to go fly down with Tabor, but Tabor's plane. I didn't know it then, but I know it now because I've written about it enough times. His plane, planes didn't always fly, and he that particular time it didn't fly. So I had my eight-year-old son with me. I walked over to another ticket counter, tried to do that these days, and bought a couple tickets and flew down to La Paz. Next morning, got up and commandeered a cab with no air conditioning, I found out later, and got drove up to uh, Loretto, and we spent a week there, my son and I, fishing and diving and doing all that, and that was the first time in Baja. So after that, when the roads opened, uh, Tom Miller and I were really good friends, and uh, uh, he uh, was, of course, go- going up and down the road all the time, and I decided I had to get in on that, too. So a couple friends and I went down and went all the way to the tip the first time. And since then, I, I've been saying for the last 50, 20 years at least that I've driven it 300 times, so I'll leave it at that. And, and we've driven, I've driven it. I just sold my uh, my road trek. I bought it in 2007, and I sold it just a couple of weeks ago. It had 100. Uh, when I bought it, it had 52,000 miles on it. When I sold it, it had 132,000, and all of those miles were put on me put on in Baja by me personally. Wow, you know, uh, <laughs> I can't tell you, you know, running the tackle store over here, and then talking to people outside. How many people they have this desire that they they want to drive down to the East Cape or uh, Cabo San Lucas or San Jose del Cabo or Loretto or one of those places. You've done that so many times. And it, are there any tips or lists or anywhere that, you know, you have, may have written somewhere that people that are going down there, you can kind of make them more aware of, of things they should be looking out for and doing if they are maybe making a first time trip down there? 
Well, <clears throat> the first thing is now it's you've got social media, and because of that, if, if they happen to be on social media, and most people are these days, but Baha has uh, been exposed, if you will, by all of the different groups and so on and so forth. Talk Baha is a really good one, and Talk Baha has created a Talk Baha ro- uh, road one that is all about road, and it, and it tells you of any uh, issues or if there are any problems or uh, places where they're working on them or whatever. Uh, the roads, by all accounts, are as the best they've ever been. Um, there may be a few odds and ends places where they're still working on them, but they're in very good shape. Uh, the only that thing where you cut down, if you go down uh, on Mex Five down to through down a lot San Felipe and then on down uh, that section there, the after you get past Gonzaga and uh, basically Coco's Corner, after you get to that, it's all dirt, and they're still working on it, and it's not in very good shape. I wouldn't recommend that. That someday will be the primary uh, direction that people will travel simply because it cuts out that whole San Quentin uh, going down all through uh, Tijuana, Ensenada, et cetera. You've got a lot, lot less traffic, but the road's not ready yet. People are saying, some people have said, oh, yeah, it is, but it's not. It won't be probably for another year or so, but when and, I mean, people, the trucks and cars driving through there, driving through at 20 miles an hour. So, but it, once it, uh, you read that it's it's done and finished, that'll be a It'll cut five hours off your trip. So, wow, you know, uh, you say so, social media. I uh, just came back from a trip down to San Quentin. Had been down there in many many years, and I'm using. Uh, uh, my GPS to find some locations uh, that were pretty difficult, you know, to find, could find them easily on my GPS. And not only that, I want to find a place to go out to eat at night or I want to find a restaurant to eat in the, the morning. I just go to, uh, you know, my uh, GPS and and zero in on restaurants and pick the name of the restaurant. And I get a full rundown now of restaurants in San Quentin that used to be out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, is, is that available? <laughs> almost all the way down to uh, uh, the East Cape? Yeah. Welcome to the new world. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's a lot different now. And, and, uh, you know, there's, there are a lot of good restaurants. Every, you know, I, I hear usually at least once a week, somebody tells me about another new one or the hotels, the hotels like in Loretto, Mission Loretto, uh, La Mission in Loretto. I stay there quite a bit just uh, because I'm, uh, doing radio, or I'm either down there on a, a tournament or whatever. So I, uh, Mexico, I'm working with the Mexican government. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm working with the Mexican government actually on a project that we started uh, in June. And IGFA this year announced that on their 80th anniversary, they wanted to do teach 100,000 kids to, to uh, fish. And uh, so they, I'm a rep and have been for years, and they asked me if I would do it, and I answered them by saying, yes, you print print your clinic or the kits in um, Spanish, and I'll see what I can do with it. And they did, and I did, and we shipped them down and got them to Fonmar and Zapata. Uh, I flew down for a Loretto tournament, and uh, Gonzalo Camacho, who's uh, one of the guys that's handling it for us, um, 
he picked me up at the airport to go to La Michio and said, well, just leave your bags. We've got to go. We're doing our first clinic. I just shipped them to him the week before. And I, I know we're on a short fuse here. The rate, since then, he, we've done over 10, we've done more than 10 ter, uh, clinics at tournaments sponsored by the government. And we're well over 700 kids that have um, uh, been, gone through the clinic and uh, learned how to fish. It's a station deal where there's how to bait hooks, how to uh, tie hooks, how to uh, fight fish, how to release fish, and and so on. And the uh, how, and particularly the conservation of the the resource. And like it, it's it's just been uh, it took off like a rocket. And it's. Uh, they they are doing like I said they do twenty six tournaments they added six uh, ten more I think it was so now they're going to do thirty six this year so we're looking forward to and it's about to go you asked me about mainland Mexico we're about to start it over there in mainland Mexico the same thing but the cool thing and very quickly is that Zapata and Fonmar who is the uh, fishing license people in uh, Baja Sur or everywhere. But in Baja Sur and Stars and Stripes, IGFA, Sport Fishing Association, and uh, Bisbee have all gone together and are working together on this project, which I just can't even believe that we've been able to, to coalesce that many different groups with different, you know, everything from nonprofits to uh, the Sport Fishing Association and all the government in uh, Baja. It's, I'm just ecstatic on how well it's working well gary you know i uh you know brought you aboard and in the beginning i i called you an award-winning outdoor writer and i know that you've won not only several awards for that but one of the awards you just most recently won was the john riganato conservation award would you tell us about john riganato and can you tell us what what encompasses winning that award that uh, I'm looking to see. Oh, that was for mag, uh, conservation for Mag Bay Burning. That was talking about um, uh, what was going on with the uh, sardine that they're burning down there. Actually, that's still an issue. But um, uh, John Reginato was a, a guy that uh, that was very interested in conservation back in in the early days in uh, California and uh, and. Outdoor Writers Association decided to honor him by creating the award in his name. And it's basically for anybody that is working on a particular project. In my case, like I said, it was the sardines. And uh, it um, uh, was a very important issue. It still is. They, uh, the problem is, is when, they, when the factories start burning them, you can't tell the size of the sardines that are going in. So uh, the, if they have under-limit sardines, they get fry, you know, basically boiled down to oil, then nobody knows that that's happening. So uh, there's always enough issues in uh, Baja in conservation to keep one busy. I'm Actually, I'm flying back down. Uh, I just got home tonight, as I said, and I'm flying back down a week from Monday and going down to do some satellite tagging with gray fish tag and Pisces, and we're putting out three more tags. We've put out tags every year for the last five, 
and Tracy sponsored them and has, has grays, and um, they're pretty expensive. They're like $5,000 a piece to put out. But um, the information we're getting from them is really exciting. I mean, uh, in, 19, in 2016, we put them out and, uh, up at uh, Finger Bank off of Cabo, above Cabo, and the two fish uh, tagged the same day. One continued on its journey across over to Mazatlan, west coast of uh, Mexico, and on down the coast. The other one, though, more important or more significantly, made a hard left turn, went up into the Sea of Cortez, and up as high as just well below Marina Puerta Escondido, just outside of that, and kind of hung out there for 65 days before the um, satellite uh, was harvested. And um, uh, just feeding, hanging out. Well, it turns out that that's because Loretto's never been known for uh, striped marlin, but what's happening there, I just was on a plane with some guys that uh, were there over the weekend, and um, they were saying, oh, how many different species there were, and so on and so forth. And so, But what's happening now is there's some bigger boats. They, they were fishing on a 38-foot boat, and with Marina Puerto Escondido, there's more bigger boats coming in, so the boats can get off. Where all this is happening, where those, that marlin was, was out in the center of Sea of Cortez, and there's a trench out there, and and I'm told by locals that have been fishing it for years that there are solid, that the squid are there all year round, and I know that the great whites that were tagged uh, by that group, they, those also ended up in that same area feeding on squid. So that's all new. And in uh, May of uh, last year, they had a tournament at uh, Robert Ross' first uh, invitational. It was at out of Marina Puerto Escondido. But the key thing is they had, I think it was 32 boats in it, and um, they caught 131 marlin and striped marlin and, or released them, but they hooked and released. It was 131 in two days. So that's mm -hmm. pretty impressive. It is. Yeah. Stan, I'm sorry, were you, are you saying something? No, I just said, man, that is impressive, 131. Well, yeah, particularly you know, out of Loretto. I mean, nobody ever fished them. And, you know, all that's been a Ponga town forever. And suddenly mm -hmm. it's flipping and it's going to be uh, more sport fishing boats like you see in Cabo are going to be there. Uh, the one I referred to as Cast and Reel, it's a 38, uh, I think it's a 38 Balin, or I'm not sure of that, but it, it is 38 foot. I just don't know the model. But I just think it, you're going to see a dramatic change in how the fishing. Uh, is in the future because of the boats being able to go out further. Yeah, that's great hey, stuff right there. Yeah. Hey, Gary, yeah. we're uh, we're going to take a break right now. Is there any way I can get you to stay on for just a little bit longer? Because we've just barely even scratched the surface. I found the conservation things that you were talking to about just far and away a lot more interesting and involved than I thought you were. I thought that was great stuff. Can you stay with us for yeah. a little bit longer? Sure. Be sure. Be happy to. Hey. Hey, you're listening with Stan Vandenberg, a hop along John Cassidy. Uh, Wendy Toshahara is on a hunt right now. This is Rod and Real Radio on AM 540, or listen to us live at rodandreelradio.com. So stay tuned. We'll be back with our guest outdoor writer, Gary Graham, after these messages. I got a garage full of fishing tackle, and every time I get out on the water, I realize I forgot something important. 
but I never forget my life jacket. I make sure my buddies wear theirs, too. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey, we want to tell you a little bit about the uh, Catch Fishing hook, line, and lure system. And we have Kavika with us from Catch. Kavika, tell us about the Catch system. Hey, guys. So Catch Fishing Products, uh, Catch Lure, Hook, and Line Holder. Straps on to your rods, whether it's uh, freshwater, saltwater. It's adjustable, UV saltwater resistant. Products made in the USA. Holds on to your lures, holds on to your hooks. And a great feature about it is it also holds on to fishing line. And it's great used as a finger trigger as well. Save your investment in your rods and reels. And we want to remind everyone that the catch system is going to be available at a dealer near you. Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the sports boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart the San Diego Blood Bank. Fishing for a way to make a difference in your community? Consider donating blood or making a financial donation to the San Diego Blood Bank. Your gift will impact medical research, revolutionize how we improve health and treat disease, and most importantly, give the gift of life. But we can't do it without you or without your help. Visit sandiegobloodbank.org to make an appointment or to give a financial donation today. It's the best way to give back. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor. Hey, everybody. This is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419. Or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. I always wear a life jacket when I'm on the water because I'm lazy. I like floating like a giant turtle covered with SPF 50. The life jacket does the work. I highly recommend this to everyone. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hey, Stan Vandenberg and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. We are speaking with award-winning outdoor writer, and the Baja guy himself, Mr. Gary Graham. And Gary, thank you for being with us again this evening. Oh, I'm happy to be here. <clears throat> you know, so you want Gary, to talk about conservation. Yeah, you want to, I mentioned rooster fish. Yes. Or do you want to go somewhere else? I don't care. But uh, the well, rooster fish, uh, let, I found them up at, uh, or one of my guys found them up at uh, Bay of L.A., which that's the first time ever that I've heard them up there, uh, heard of them up there. They may have been there, but I sure have never heard that. Wow. You know, well, I I wanted to ask you just in general, you know, you've been going up and down the Baja Peninsula for, you know, really keeping track of what's happening and reporting on what's happening now there for a, a long time. 
You know, there was a time when, uh, you know, there was a problem with long lines on the mouth of uh, the Sea of Cortez, and that was affecting some of the fishing. Uh, do you, have you found as the fishing, has it been cyclical there? Has it gone from being really good to really being down again? And if it was down again, is it rebounding? Or, or what's your perception of the fishing when, you, when you're fishing the Sea of Cortez side of the Baja Peninsula? Well, it is cyclical. Cyclical. I, um, you know, it, it's it's just like what I'm talking about in the trench and what I'm is being seen out there. That that squid population lived at Santa Rosalia for years, and it's moved for whatever reason, and who knows? I haven't had any conversations with squid lately, but uh, <laughs> it's definitely has uh, moved to a different spot. But uh, it's the same thing. I, you know, I. I hear people talk about, you know, like nah, right now the, the Dorado definitely is down. It's, they're there. There are lots and lots of Dorado. They're just small fish. And uh, for the most part, I, from what I, uh, at least a good percentage of those fish, are not, they're Paloma Dorado. They're not even the normal Dorado. That's, and they're, they only grow to 12, 11 or 12 pounds. And uh, so a lot of the fish that they're seeing, they're catching them and they're releasing the smaller ones, that are, but they are catching quite a few. Uh, Mag Bay, I just talked to Peter Grosbeck uh, yesterday afternoon and, and Cabo, and he was telling me he just came through um, through Mag Bay and the Wahoo, are, he had a 20 fish stop, and this is on a yacht. And um, he said it's the most he's ever ever caught. When they they had four uh, marauders out, all four marauders went off, and there were fish jumping all around the boat. They ended up with twenty. Uh, the other thing he told me, though, it's, conversely, is that all their their striped marlin are thick. They're everywhere, but they're small. They're so small, and I, I have never seen one small enough to do this. But according to what Grossbeck was telling me, their uh, sails are not even you know they're all the way to the tail. Hmm. The back then. So, I never. So where, I, I've heard that where they are outside of Magby is that is that Wahoo shown up now? Is that inside yeah. or just outside? I mean, there's a lot of Mag Bay. Oh, it's outside. It's uh, pretty much on the. I, I'm guessing, but they straight pretty much when they're coming down are straight lining along Thetis on that line at Thetis and um, the other banks above it are. So I'm sure it's out there, but it's not inside the bay. I'm sorry if I made that. I didn't make that clear. I was going to say, wow, if it's inside the bay, that's something. I mean, outside the, it's been, it's been there actually pretty good through the last couple of months that stuff's been yeah. around there. I know the but Marlin, they say are thick where you get, you know, it, I didn't hear they were small, but there was an area of them where there were just hundreds of them out uh, in one area. You get if you were trolling, you'd have four to whack. Um, yeah, but, but that's, big, that's bad, good to know. Bad company, the one thirty or the one thirty six or whatever it is, is on its way there, and they're trying. They're going to try to set a record and, and catch and release over three hundred in a day. So everybody's watching to see how that turns out. <laughs> Boy, that's incredible, <laughs> Gary. Uh, you, when you say things are cyclical too, you know we're hearing a lot. The oceans are warming; they're cooling. Storms are coming through. When the storms come through, they cool the water off. Uh, they get warm again, and everything else like that. It, are are these conditions, uh, you know, affecting fishing that you can see? Uh, are they affecting certain fish? Do they affect all the fish. You know, you know. Can you give us an idea of just is it healthy down there for the fish? 
I think it's pretty healthy. The uh, I example the Bisbee tournament they just completed yesterday. Or they had the awards last night. Uh, three days of fishing. There's 171 billfish caught by uh, 120, 126 teams. Uh, most of them were released because they didn't meet. They were they uh, have a minimum weight for the blues and blacks. But um, it was pretty good fishing, and uh, by all accounts, I mean it was just you got to get the bite and everybody's fishing for a certain bite. They want the bigger, they need the bigger fish to even to be in the, in the hunt, if you will. But if you were in the hunt, just for the record, the tournament, uh, they had their awards last night. They awarded, they, they gave out for us four million seven forty, I think in, in prizes. And there were three, the three top teams each received, Checks for over a million dollars. One was a million three. One, or, uh, one was a million three. One was a million four, and one was a million seven, depending on what jackpots they were in. What took it? What five eighty eight? Five eighty eight was the biggest. Uh, five ninety eight. I'm sorry. What boat? Do you know the name of the boats or the teams? Uh, uh, Tranquility. Really? They, yeah, they fish out of uh, Costa Rica. Uh huh. Uh, second boat. Was I believe it was Wild Hooker, and uh, come on, something time. Uh, oh, come on, I'm not. I'm. I'm brain. Just keep talking. I'll think of it in a minute. That's okay. um, yeah, I mean, I know. Uh, well, the Wild Hooker is one of the regular uh, boats. I think that's out of um, Texas, actually. It's um, Tommy Nykirk. It was is the captain of it, and it is. Uh, great time. Anyway, you keep talking. I'll find it for you. But <laughs> well, I, I know that the 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 guys there's boats come from everywhere to fish this tournament. I, Wild Hooker, I, I, that's one of the regular boats you see coming in another harbor. Um, the team from Costa Rica has been there year after year after year. They're pretty consistently good too. Uh, you you expect the guys that have done well. I know that. Um, Evan Salve came in last year and won it with uh, some new guys who were playing the game and, and stayed and won the tuna jackpot back-to-back, which was a pretty doggone good deal. Um, this year, you know, we've been waiting to see how this goes, and obviously we haven't seen the tuna jackpot, That there's a lot of that bigger activity now. So it, it'll be yeah, an interesting... You know, though, it, for, uh, it, it, there's been a lot of big tuna, but the thing where these guys were all fishing was where the tuna were. And mm. there was just not the the uh, the big... They're, they're all trolling, slow trolling, you know, trolling uh, skipjack Skippies, or yeah. uh, one, one live bait kind of live bait or another. And they flat didn't... Um, uh, they just weren't getting any tuna and that surprises me I, and one guy though one guy they started their morning they put their first bait skipjack down uh he's still holding it in the line uh, trying to get it set up on the outrigger and they get a bite they it sticks uh they're trying to call it in frantically and and they can't get through to uh tournament control and a 50 pound grouper floats to the surface <laughs> 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 Gary, a couple of things about that Bisbee tournament. I mean, we you gave us some numbers that seem to be incredible for winning, especially in a fishing tournament. Uh, on the average, though, to be all in on a tournament like that, uh, what's the buy-in? 
On Bisbee, it's 71,000 buy-in, but they have super, what they call a super cobra, which is a separate category, and that's not included just because it, it's another 30 grand to get into it. So if you went in, uh, it's a three to, it's 10 grand a day. So, um, if you, if you're in that, if you go into that too, then you're in for 131, 132,000. Wow. So, you know, it's, uh, but there are all different levels of play over there that you can uh, get into this event and still have yourself uh, a great time. You know, uh, John, I'm going to, I just wrote a column. I'm telling you what I wrote in a column that you're going to read next week, or it will be in uh, Western Outdoor News. What everybody overlooks about that tournament, and it is a, it's a big tournament, a lot of people, and it's kind of, in a sense, you could think of it like a Kentucky Derby or uh, Indy 500, whatever you want to call it, but or whatever one you want to choose to, to uh, align, compare it to. But what most people don't understand it's a fishing festival. I mean, they, all of these guys are fishing and think about it. They're spending all this money. They, they go to the registration and they go, then they have the captain's meeting, which is open to the public, by the way, and they have entertainment and, and fireworks and all kinds of stuff that anybody can walk in and see. Same thing at tuna tournament, by the way, is that way. Las Cabos billfish is that way. Or excuse me, Los Cabos Offshore is that way. But you can actually, uh, you can attend a lot of the different events. You can't, the awards banquet is, uh, is private, but you can buy tickets. They sell tickets, but, uh, it's basically that's, that's the tournament people. But uh, every day there's weigh-ins every day and it's a, it's a party. There are girls up on, throw up on the top of the scale, throwing beads in between the fish like, uh, New Orleans. There's, you know, it's just a, a fishing party atmosphere that anybody that wants to go down there and be part of it doesn't have to enter the tournament. You can just be in a spectator and have the time of your life. And, and honestly, no, not many people, in fact, I've never heard anybody talk about it in those terms, but it, it uh, as far as I'm concerned, I watch it all the time and, and see how many people do show up there. There's more every year that come down not to fish in the tournament, just to be part of seeing it, to be there. Well, yeah. there's another part of the tournament, too. Number one, that tournament, the fish from that tournament, don't they feed a lot of people in that area? And then also the Van Warmers have a, a, a special thing happening, too, that's uh, philanthropic. And uh, can you tell us about the, those two aspects of the tournament? Sure. Um, Janet Limpert or Jan Limpert um, handles the fish all of the fish that are caught are kept by the are donated to the um, charity, and what they do is they distribute it uh, throughout the uh, uh, True Grit. By the way, is the name of the boat I was trying to think of. It just came to me, but uh, and that's Tommy Nykirk, and he was one of the top three. But um, anyway, the as far as the fish, they um, uh, they pick it up. They have their volunteers pick it up. Take it, clean it, fillet it, and then uh, it, they distribute it out throughout the barrio and, and all the different neighborhoods. And um, uh, they had, um, let's see, where am I here? Uh, they, um, they gave it all. It, so that was uh, for both Los Cabos built, uh, offshore and for Los Cabos for the uh, black and blue. And they... Um, Let's see, update. 
um, back here, they had over 17, I believe it was 17,000 pounds of fish, some ridiculous amount. Just a minute. That didn't sound right, but... Uh, 1,700 maybe? No, it's some, more than that, I think. Hang on a second. I'm sorry, I thought I had it up here, but... Anyway, but uh, yes, and um, up at uh, you're talking about souls for souls up at uh, Van Warmer's place. Yes, is that yeah? Yeah, they the casting uh, for souls. They just had that, and they they had four thousand kids there that all received shoes, Afco shirts, belts. Uh, they also all received a Mexican Bible uh, and other things, a lot of different things, and um, they. Um, uh, have had, um, th- this is their, they've been doing it a long time. I think this was their 29th year or something like that. So great. Hey, uh, Gary, we do have to take uh, another break. Uh, just, uh, kind of ask you to stay for just a little bit longer because Stan had a quest, uh, a, a question that he had asked, uh, uh, Cabo Greg from Land's End Charter, and you might want to be able to, uh, Chime in on, too, on people that are coming on up there for the Cabo Tuna jackpot. Maybe uh, what can they expect uh, the conditions to be? So can you stay with us for uh, just a little bit? Sure. All right. Hey, Stan Vandenberg and I, we're going to be taking a break right now. You're listening to Rod and Reel Radio. We'll be right back after these messages. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their product. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Hey, bass fishermen. Who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program that is what all the pros use today. The reason... No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call one 800 227 7262 or just spell bass boat 1-800-BASS-BOAT I know there's too many letters but the T is free and the call's on me that's 1-800-BASS-BOAT the choice of the pros for bass boat insurance for more information log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.COM Attention Rod and Reel Radio listeners. Be sure to check out the Code Group mobile app. You can listen to the Rod and Reel Radio show live along with show archives without internet access. The Code Group app has all kinds of cool features for fishermen including daily Southern California saltwater reports, weather reports, episodes of inside sport fishing, marine traffic, and much more. Get the free Code Group mobile app by texting the word REEL, R-E-E-L, to 90407, or enter the words CODE GROUP in the App Store on your smartphone. 
Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family, and friends, but are a little set back with what charter company to choose? We urge you to use American and family-owned Lands and Charters. Lands and Charters offers their passengers affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips. Fish with the latest of fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a long-time-owned family business. Go to LensAndCharters.com to see all of their vessels and amenities available. Call Cobble Greg or Jenny at 800-281-5778 when you're ready for an action-packed Cabo fishing experience. He's not just my fishing buddy. After 30 years, he's a brother, and I'd sure hate to lose him. His bass boat's got nothing to do with it. So I make sure both of us wear a life jacket. Save the ones you love, even if they don't own a fancy boat. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Rod and Real Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available, or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at roddenreelradio.com slash archives, and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. Hey, Stan Vandenberg and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Real Radio. We're with outdoor writer Gary Graham and Gary, again, thanks a lot for sticking with us tonight. Appreciate especially coming right in the door and picking up the telephone, you being with us. <laughs> hey, Stan, right. you had a question uh, that you want to ask, Gary. Well, we were kicking around just before you came on. We had Cabo Greg uh, from Lands Inn Charters on. We know that the, the tuna challenge is right up around the corner here. It's, it's coming up this week. Uh, when I was down there a couple of weeks ago, or last couple of weeks here, uh, there were fish being caught, but the bigger fish that everybody was keeping quiet were out there on the on the Jaime. Um, and, and I don't know if they showed up on the Gordo or not, but what have you heard and what do you think the prospects are for the tuna challenge? Well, up until a week ago, they they were catching, well, yeah, 10 days ago, they were catching big tuna and fairly consistently on gordo and more and then they were getting some on kites under porpoise on the other on the pacific side uh but all of that during the billfish of course they're not targeting them but the only thing that's a little odd is that um they're fishing the same way they're fishing the same kind of bait and they're fishing it down deep and uh or on kites and um uh, there just wasn't there. I didn't hear much about them this week. Now that could have been, like I said, it could be that the way they're targeting them, they're not targeting tuna. So that, but uh, I there were some tuna that came in at Pisces that were not fishing tournaments. So that it would, I would say that it's going to be a pretty interesting tournament. I think you'll see, um, and particularly with that new, they have a new uh, uh, twenty thousand category for. Uh, uh, that they're doing that uh, part of it's going to go to uh, Gray's fish tags, so for uh, tags. But um, to, uh, to pick up something from last time, 20, it was 22,545 meals that, from 20 fish that were donated to them wow. for the kids. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. That is. And it was, and it was True Grit was the other fish that uh, I uh, – uh, couldn't remember his name. It's Tommy Nykirk and Jim Putnam, and it was a 498-pound fish, and it uh, was worth about uh, 1.3 mil. 
So. You know, Gary, if you're going after specific species when you go down to Baja Silver, let, let's take something like the, two, the, the tuna. What is the range of the tuna from the Pacific side to the, the Sea of Cors, Cor, uh, uh, Cortez side? I mean, can you catch them all the way up the coast? Uh, can you catch them all the way in the Sea of Cortez? Or does there seem to be one really geographical area that the fish hang out in? Uh, no, there really isn't. Uh, the you mentioned Finger, also Golden Gate. They they're up they're up in that area. There's big tuna up there coming around the corner, going up the other way. Then you have Gordo Bank, Eman, Eman, and then a couple other uh, banks up above that that different people have different names for, but they're all in that zone. However, uh, to answer your question, how far they go up into the Sea of Cortez? Uh, up at uh, Loretto, uh, back to my trench that we're talking about, uh, there were five or six fish caught in January two years ago there. And those were either, uh, were I think three of them were 200 and three of them, and two of them were at least over three, were over three. So they were pretty impressive fish. In fact, one of them was almost... Uh, Alleged could have been a record if it hadn't been. They didn't have a scale, but it was supposed to be over four hundred. I remember wow. the story. Pardon me. I said I remember that story. You know, the guy didn't have yeah, a scale, but right. he was, that was he Robert Ross that has he uh, owns San Cosme, which is right below Marina Port Escondido, about twenty miles, and um, it's a, a very it's a small, very exclusive resort. With actually, they just finished completed their marina. Uh, they sent me pictures of them. I may go. I'm flying back down there for the, uh, the, as I said, to Cabo, and I may end up going up there for a couple of days because I'm supposed to photograph it with boats in it. So, anyway, but it's done and it looks really nice. The photographs I've seen of it emptying anyway. Now, if a fisherman wants to go for yellowtail fishing, there seemed to be a, a you know a time when you were saying, hey, we go off La Paz, we go off Loreto, Los Serenos, Saravo Island. That used to be the hotbed for yellowtail, and I, I just don't seem to be hearing about yellowtail coming out again. Is that because uh, I'm just not in the, the know? Is that because there are other species being targeted, or what's happening there? Well, Loreto is traditionally the yellowtail spot, and that's not – it's just starting to happen now, so that's probably why you haven't heard much. There, there's been um, yellowtail that have been targeted all through the uh, season this year for uh, during the uh, Campensuenos uh, tournament. There were some yellowtail brought in on that uh, by the locals. That's kind of a local tournament, but um, uh, it, it comes and goes. I, I'm hearing Bay of L.A. has got decent yellowtail, and there's still some Dorado up there, according to Juan Cook. And uh, uh, over at San Quentin, it's, uh, if you were down there recently, I'm sure you got in on the white sea bass thing that's been going on. And um, there's fish offshore, but nobody goes for them. They, there's been bluefin out there, and, so, and they just haven't, um, uh, haven't local boats aren't going to go out that often for them and or has ha, have they had clients that wanted to go for them so but um the um 
Uh, other places, you know, the, those those are the place. Oh well, of course, Cedros. Cedros is uh, is one place where they they're pretty consistent. I would say, is from everything I see. I've never been there, but from everything I see in reports, it sounds like they're they're pretty. And now they've got. Uh, I understand, and I think you got had somebody talking on the radio or on your show. But I think they had some exotics over there too, some dorado and tuna, and so. But the tuna thing, uh, let me throw something out just for you to ponder next week while you have nothing better to do. Uh, it's been five years since, about five years since the tuna pins became, came into play. And everybody's wondering what's going on with uh, uh, the tuna, bluefin tuna, where are they coming from? Where, why are we seeing these big fish, the huge fish that we've never seen before on this coast? And um, we've heard, I've heard a variety of different theories. Everything's uh, Steve Cook originally would, felt that they had come over, that the bluefin had migrated over from Japan, got and, or had traveled here, got here, liked what they saw and stayed. Now, if you want to take that a step further, why don't you think about the tuna pens and the amount of tuna that gets in the pens and the amount of tuna they don't put in the pens? They, they put, they're putting larger and larger fish in the pens because they don't have to feed them as long before their market. But, but the thing is, is if you think that five years ago the tuna pens came into being, and that's just about when the blue fins kicked off and the fish have consistently got bigger and bigger, which would mean that the juvenile fish that came out of the pens that were left in that area must have not left, or may have not left. I'm not saying that's 100%, but it's an interesting theory. So they're just hanging out with their buds? Is that what you're trying to tell well, us? Well, there's bait. There's everything they want. The... the, the uh, uh, all of the necessary requirements of bait and temperature and so on and so forth have been what's needed. But the point being, it's allowed these fish to develop and that they may very well be home guard fish, not fish that are coming in from outside. Oh, that's, well, that's, that very well could be. It's uh, yeah. interesting. When we had uh, Dr. Barbara Block on, she says that uh, there's been no, that she's aware of, no evidence of any tuna spawning here and that what they're finding out through uh, uh, some of the tagging that they're doing, the the tuna, the tuna are staying on the coast, and they're doing like a big figure eight up and down the coast uh, looking for bait that, but there will become a time when the urge will come along that they're going to have to go back to where they came from to spawn, and it's not going to be on the West Coast here. So I don't know what what we can tell you about that. Maybe... Yeah, maybe we'll, find, that, we'll that, find out more about it in play. five years. You know, yeah, we've comes... been watching originally way back when we saw that big, big, there was huge bluefin schools outside of Guadalupe Island. You know, you go off uh, outside the island there, there's flats way out there. and um, But that 200, 300 pound bluefin was all over at that point in time down there. You had yellowfin and bluefin off of Guadalupe, and that bluefin just disappeared from there for years. The yellowfin stayed around, and now it's, you know, it comes back through, and the guys that want to go down there know full well that island can hold them good and or it can be nowhere around there. But Yeah, and they're not, uh, not that, necessarily in the flats. They're, they were, uh, they, they hung out at Monster Rock pretty regularly, but uh, I know a lot of the tuna club guys uh, uh, 
scored in there and have had records now that have been uh, take, overtaken by recent, more recent fish. But uh, I, in fact, that's where I got my voting fish for the tuna club was at um, uh, Monster Rock at Guadalupe. Yep. But um, that was some years ago. That was back in the late 80s, I think. But yeah. but no, and there again, that that's that cyclical thing that we're talking about is that yeah. uh, the other thing that happened at uh, Guadalupe, since you brought it up, is that the white shark came in. When the white sharks come in there, that just everything stopped. That's all that was there. And it remained that way for like several years. But, you know, and then it became a... a a destination for diving with the sharks or being in the pens with, you know, in the cages and stuff. So, yeah. you know, it's, and it's like the early 1900s and the guys that were the blue, the tuna club guys and what they were fishing, but they never saw fish like the size fish we're seeing now. No the quantities. Hey guys, we're going to have to leave it at that. Gary, our time with <laughs> you is up and it's just flown by. And I just feel like we've just scratched the surface on things we should be talking about. But if people want to keep in contact with you, find out where you're doing, uh, read your latest articles, how's the best way to go about doing it? Well, the best place to start is probably BD Outdoors. And um, uh, I all of my, everything I feature and reports that I've written for BD over the last 10 years are, are online. So you can go pick, cherry pick the stories about Baja fishing and there's a lot, there's over 200 of them. So that's, that's a good place to start. And, uh, I write for Western outdoor news, uh, column for them. And I write quite a bit for Pacific coast sport fishing and a lot of other magazines. So there's, there's plenty. If you, if your readers just simply put, uh, Gary Graham and that Baja guy, I have a feeling they'll find enough to keep them busy. <laughs> well, there is certainly enough, information and articles that you've written that we could go back 10 years and a lot of that would be just as pertinent today as it was then gary and i can't thank you enough for taking the time to be with us well thank you for inviting me anytime i appreciate the offer always interesting and always got information i love it oh it's great yeah all right good night gary hey uh stand just quickly uh you're going to be leaving in in a few weeks on a 13-day. Why don't we talk a little bit about that uh, next uh, Sunday night on what uh, people should be uh, uh, gearing up for if they're going on a trip like yours. We can do that. Actually, I'll be here Sunday night on Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning. And I'll be off on, off and running, heading, heading down probably to the area eventually of the Thetis and that lower bank outside of Mag Bay to check that out. And then, and then we'll go to Guadalupe, too. So we're going to have the, the Guadalupe Loop. Also scheduled next week, uh, Bill Boyce is going to be with us. He uh, fished the uh, the Bisbee Tournament and had a very unusual crew. We're going to want to hear about that. And just in case, we got an event coming up with uh, Carl DeMaio. Carl DeMaio wants to know what Hunter and Fisherman want uh, him to bring forward to Congress if he's elected. So good show lined up for you next week, but we got to sign off for now. So Otto, thank you very much in the AM540 studio.